Part 3, Chapter 2, Section 117 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3, History of the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus. Chapter 2, Machinations of the Enemies of Jesus, Treachery of Judas, Last Supper with the Disciples. Section 117. Development of the Relation of Jesus to His Enemies In the three first Gospels, the principal enemies of Jesus are the Pharisees and scribes, who saw in him the most ruinous opponent of their institutions, together with the chief priests and elders, who, as the heads of the external temple worship and the hierarchy founded upon it, could have no friendly feeling towards one who on every opportunity represented as the main point the internal service of god with the devotion of the mind elsewhere we find among the enemies of jesus the sadducees matthew chapter 16 verse 1 chapter 22 verse 23 and following and parallel passages Compare with Matthew chapter 16, verse 6 and following, and parallel passages, to whose materialism much, in his opinions, must have been repugnant, and the Herodian party, Mark chapter 3, verse 6, Matthew chapter 22, verse 16, and parallel passages, who, having been unfavorable to the Baptist, were naturally so to his successor, the fourth gospel, though it sometimes mentions the chief priests and Pharisees, the most frequently designates the enemies of Jesus by the general expression, the Jews, an expression which proceeds from a later Christian point of view. The four evangelists unanimously relate that the more defined machinations of the Pharisaic hierarchical party against Jesus took their rise from an offence committed by the latter against the prevalent rules concerning the observation of the sabbath when jesus had cured the man with the withered hand it is said in matthew the pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him chapter 12 verse 14 compare with mark chapter 3 verse 6 luke chapter 6 verse 11 and in like manner john observes on the occasion of the sabbath cure at the pool of bethesda therefore did the jews persecute jesus and after mentioning a declaration of jesus proceeds thus therefore the jews sought the more to kill him verses sixteen and eighteen but immediately after this commencing point the synoptical account of the relation in question diverges from that of john in the synoptists the next offence is given by the neglect of washing before meals on the part of jesus and his disciples with the sharp invectives which when called to account on the subject he launched forth against the spirit of petty observance and the hypocrisy and spirit of persecution with which it was united in the pharisees and lawyers after all which it is said that the latter conceived a deep animosity against him and tried to sift him and entrap him by dangerous questions 
in order to obtain grounds of accusation against him luke chapter 11 verses 37 through 54 compare with matthew chapter 15 verse 1 and following mark chapter 7 verse 1 and following on his last journey to jerusalem the pharisees gave jesus a warning against herod luke chapter 13 verse 31 which apparently had no other object than to induce him to leave the country the next important cause of offence to the hierarchical party was the striking homage paid to jesus by the people on his entrance into jerusalem and the purification of the temple which he immediately undertook but they were still withheld from any violent measures towards him by the strength of his interest with the people matthew chapter twenty one verse fifteen and following mark chapter nine verse eighteen luke chapter nineteen verses thirty nine and forty seven and following which was the sole reason why they did not possess themselves of his person after the severe manner in which he had characterized them in the parable of the husbandmen of the vineyard matthew chapter twenty one verse forty five and following and parallel passages after these events it scarcely needed the anti-pharisaic discourse matthew chapter twenty three to make the chief priests the scribes and elders that is the sanhedrim assemble in the palace of the high priest shortly before the passover for a consultation that they might take jesus by subtlety and kill him matthew chapter twenty six verse three and following and parallel passages in the fourth gospel also the great number of the adherents of jesus among the people is sometimes it is true described as the reason why his enemies desire to seize him chapter seven verses thirty two and forty four compare with chapter four verse one and following and his solemn entrance into jerusalem embitters them here also chapter twelve verse nineteen sometimes their murderous designs are mentioned without any motive being stated chapter seven verses one nineteen and twenty five chapter eight verse forty but the main cause of offence in this gospel lies in the declarations of jesus concerning his exalted dignity even on the occasion of the cure of the lame man on the sabbath what chiefly irritated the jews was that jesus justified it by appealing to the uninterrupted agency of god as his father which in their opinion was a blasphemous making of himself equal with god verse eighteen when he spoke of his divine mission they sought to lay hold on him chapter seven verse thirty compare with chapter eight verse twenty on his asserting that he was before abraham they took up stones to cast at him chapter eight verse fifty nine they did the same when he declared that he and the father were one chapter ten verse thirty one and when he asserted that the father was in him and he in the father they again attempted to seize him chapter ten verse thirty nine but that which according to the fourth gospel turns the scale and causes the hostile party to take a formal resolution against jesus 
is the resuscitation of Lazarus. When this act was reported to the Pharisees, they and the chief priests convened a council of the Sanhedrim, in which the subject of deliberation was that if Jesus continued to perform so many signs, all would at length adhere to him, and then the Roman power would be exerted to the destruction of the Jewish nation. Whereupon the high priest Caiaphas pronounced the momentous decision that it was better for one man to die for the people than for the whole nation to perish. His death was now determined upon, and it was enjoined on everyone to point out his abode, that he might be arrested. Chapter 11, verse 46 and following. With regard to this difference that modern criticism observes, that we should not at all comprehend the tragical turn of the fate of Jesus from the synoptical accounts, and that John alone opens to us a glance into the manner in which, step by step, the breach between the hierarchical party and Jesus was widened. In short, that in this point also, the representation of the fourth gospel shows itself a pragmatical one, which that of the other gospels is not. But what it is in which the Gospel of John exhibits superiority in gradation and progress, it is difficult to see, since the very first definite statement concerning the incipient enmity, verse 18, contains the extreme of the offense, making himself equal with God. And the extreme of the enmity, they sought to kill him so that all which is narrated further concerning the hostility of the Jews is mere repetition, and the only fact which presents itself as a step towards more decided measures is the resolution of the Sanhedrim, chapter 11. This species of gradation, however, is not wanting in the synoptical account also. Here, we have the transition from the indefinite laying wait for Jesus and the communing what might be done to him. Luke chapter 11 verse 54, chapter 6 verse 11. Or, as it is more precisely given in Matthew, chapter 12 verse 14, and in Mark, chapter 3 verse 6, the taking counsel how they might destroy him to the definite resolve as to the manner and the time. But it is especially made a reproach to the three first evangelists that in passing over the resurrection of Lazarus, they have omitted that incident which gave the final impulse to the fate of Jesus. If we, on the contrary, in virtue of the above result of our criticism of this miraculous narrative, must rather praise the synoptists that they do not represent as the turning point in the fate of Jesus, an incident which never really happened, so the fourth evangelist, by the manner in which he relates the murderous resolve to which it was the immediate inducement, by no means manifests himself as one whose authority can be held by us a sufficient warrant for the truth of his narrative. The circumstance that he ascribes to the high priest the gift of prophecy, without doubt in accordance with a superstitious idea of his age, and regards his speech 
as a prediction of the death of Jesus, would certainly not by itself prove that he could not have been an apostle and eyewitness. But it has with justice been held a difficulty that our evangelist designates Caiaphas as the high priest of that year, chapter 11, verse 49, and thus appears to suppose that this dignity, like many Roman magistracies, was an annual one, whereas it was originally held for life, and even in that period of Roman ascendancy was not a regular annual office, but was transferred as often as it pleased the arbitrariness of the Romans. To conclude on the authority of the fourth gospel in opposition to the general custom, and notwithstanding the silence of Josephus, that Annas and Caiaphas, by a private agreement, held the office for a year by turns, is an expedient to which those may resort whom it pleases. To take tu indefinitely for kronu is, from the twofold repetition of the same expression, chapter 5, verse 51, and chapter 18, verse 13, is inadmissible. That at that period the high priesthood was frequently transferred from one to another, and some high priests were not allowed to remain in their office longer than a year, did not justify our author in designating Caiaphas as the high priest of a particular year, when in fact he filled that post for a series of years, and certainly throughout the duration of the public agency of Jesus. Lastly, that John intended to say that Caiaphas was high priest in the year in which Jesus died, without thereby excluding earlier and later years, in which he also held the office, is an equally untenable position. For if the time in which an incident occurs is described as a certain year, this mode of expression must imply that either the incident, the date of which is to be determined, or the fact by which that date is to be determined, is connected with the term of a year. Thus, either the author of the fourth gospel must have been of the opinion that from the death of Jesus, to which this decision of Caiaphas was the initiative step, a plentitude of spiritual gifts, including the gift of prophecy to the high priest of that period, was dispensed throughout that particular year, and no longer. Or, if this be a far-fetched explanation, he must have imagined that Caiaphas was high priest for the term of that year only. Luca concludes that as, according to Josephus, the high priest of that period held his office for ten years successively. Therefore, John cannot have meant, by the expression, arche reus tu eniau ton ek einon, that the office of high priest was an annual one, whereas the author of the Probabilia, on the ground that the evidence of this meaning in the words of the Gospel is far more certain than that John is its author, reverses this proposition, and concludes that as the fourth gospel here presents an idea concerning the duration of the office of high priest, which could not be entertained in Palestine, 
Therefore, its author cannot have been a native of Palestine. Of the further statements also, as to the points in which Jesus gave offence to the hierarchy of his nation, those which the synoptists have alone, or in common with John, are credible. Those which are peculiar to the latter, not so. Among those which are common to both sides, the solemn entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, and the strong attachment of the people to him, were equally natural causes of offence, with his discourses and actions in opposition to the sabbatical institutions, in whatever the latter may have consisted. On the contrary, the manner in which, according to the fourth gospel, the Jews take offence at the declarations of Jesus concerning himself as the Son of God, is, according to our earlier analysis, as inconceivable as it is consistent with the common order of things that the polemical tone towards the Pharisees which the first evangelists all lend to Jesus should irritate the party attacked. Thus, no new or more profound insight into the causes and motives of the reaction against Jesus is to be obtained from the fourth gospel, but the information which the synoptists have preserved to us fully suffices to make that fact intelligible. End of section 117